Welcome to the audio ministry of Grove Park Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina. We pray you will be blessed by today's message. I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to Exodus 17. I'm sorry, I told you the wrong chapter. I'm thinking ahead to next Sunday. Exodus 16. Would you pray with me? Be magnified, O God. Be magnified. Be magnified in our lives by how we live out our faith. And may it be such that others would learn to call upon your name as well. Lord, we need to be able to grow in faith though that our praise may grow as well. And so we pray today that by your spirit, you would enlighten our reading of this text. <clears throat> that it would be for us manna that we could truly, truly today have such an encounter with you that it would cause us to simply go out and cry out to others that they may magnify your name. Bless me with the words that are needed for those who have gathered to hear from you today as we make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text this morning opens roughly six weeks after Passover and a month after the children of Israel have crossed the Red Sea. And in verse 1, we are told that they find themselves now in the wilderness of sin. Sin here not being a physical action, but simply a place name. And here it is in the wilderness of sin that a month after the Red Sea, the children of Israel have run out of the provisions that they, have packed, they, they had packed up as they were leaving Egypt and they are getting hungry. Or maybe we should say, as Eliza alluded to in the children's sermon, they're getting hangry. They are angry and complaining that they do not have food. Now, their hangriness points to something that 
they are not out of. And we should address this before we explore the things that God provides for them and for all those who hear His call and obey it to get moving that we saw last week. Our abundance in this particular provision that we're looking at first, beloved, is dangerous because it could stop us on our journey from getting to where God has called us to get moving toward. Notice verse number 2. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, and the people of Egypt said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. This must be one of the most miraculous memories of all time because the children of Israel are essentially saying that they are, from what I can tell with a brief scan of history, the only slaves in the history of civilization they were able to eat abundantly. The Egyptians worked them to the bone and oppressed them, but yet they got to sit around and eat to their heart's content. The word fill here is abundance. In other words, the Egyptians, working them to death, somehow or another though, according to their memory, put out a buffet for them to eat upon all the time. How far away this memory is from what we see in the text when they are crying out to God for mercy and for freedom. Beloved, are you like them this morning? Do you have a critical, inaccurate memory? If you are continually thinking back to the good old days, beloved, let me remind you that the good old days might be old, but they weren't necessarily good. And you say, oh, yes, they were, Mark. You weren't there. You're not old enough to remember them. I'm old enough to remember my old days. And I call them good. And yet, you know, Eliza really will, every time I go back in those distant chords of memory and start talking about the good old days, it, she'll, she'll start singing Bruce Springsteen to me. Glory days. How they pass us by. Glory days. You know, if I think back to my own good old days, I did have a good time. But there's a lot of things I forget. There's a lot of things I forget. I, you know, one of the things of going back to school uh, again has reminded me of papers. I hated them then, I hate them now. Reading books that I don't choose to read, but others choose for me, and then I have to regurgitate them, and they're boring. Bad memory. Do I remember all that, though? No, no. I just remember, you know, the sunny days in Keenan Stadium where all was happy and bright, and, you know, I didn't have a care in the world. What are your glory days, good old days like, beloved? And you know, if you're continually thinking back to them, you're going to miss something. You're going to miss what God is doing now. You're going to miss the blessing of this moment. And by the way, you're going to inhibit those who are around you 
from currently being who God has called them to be because you're trying to fit them into an inaccurate memory box from long ago. And so you're denying them the blessing of today as well as denying yourself the blessing of today because you are inaccurately remembering how things were. And let us remember back from last week's text that if we just simply clutter our minds with a bunch of old things that are not fond memories, that are, they're not accurate memories, we have no room for new things. We have no room for the new things that God wants to do in our life. We have no room for the new challenges and the new manifestations of His grace that He wants to bring us through. In other words, we have no room for God. And it is a woeful state, beloved, for us to have no room for God and what He wants to do in our lives simply because we remember something and think it was the best we could ever have. So what are the new things that God desires to provide for us? Well, I think we find them in some of the provisions that are found here in the text. First, God provides them and us with a picture of empathy and compassion. Notice verse number four. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the morning meat to eat and in the morning bread to the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to the full because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him what are we your grumbling is not against us but against the Lord it is important to note in this text that unlike in future occasions where the people start grumbling about what God has not done or what Moses and Aaron have not done that Moses doesn't, the text doesn't tell, the text does not tell us that Moses goes and takes that complaint to God. Here the text says quite clearly that the people grumble and God responds. He doesn't wait for Moses to be the intermediary. No, he just moves on. In fact, the text points to the fact that it's not uh, God who's saying that they are grumbling. Moses and Aaron are the ones who are adding the descriptor of grumbling in the text. It will not be till verse number 11 that God describes what they're doing is grumbling. No, here in this part of the text, God hears and God acts. Beloved, do you hear this morning? Do you hear? Do you hear what those who are journeying with you through life are saying with empathy and compassion? Or are you spending all of your time when they are communicating to you 
you're instead talking over them or you're discounting them because it is not something that you have lived before. Beloved, just because something is not your truth doesn't mean that it's not somebody else's truth. Just because you have had a good experience, say, at a restaurant, doesn't mean that somebody else hasn't had a sorry experience at a restaurant. Just because you haven't gone through something in life doesn't mean that somebody else hasn't been impacted by something that has gone on somewhere else of a similar make in life. Our desire, our desire should be, and our goal should always be, to listen to what people are saying. To hear them, and to hear them with empathy and compassion. Now, that does not mean that when you hear them that you're going to give in to what they are saying every time. And it doesn't mean that they're, you're going to give in to, to them and say, well, you're right and I'm wrong. No, that's not it. Sometimes, beloved, the most compassionate and empathetic thing you can do for somebody is to push back graciously on what they are saying and say, listen, listen to this other side. But beloved, it's also important to note what they're not saying. You know, a lot of people will talk, and they'll talk and talk and talk, and then you'll listen and you'll say, but what didn't they say? What didn't they say? You know, I find that watching the news. They'll interview somebody and they'll say, blah, 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 and I'll go, but they didn't mention da, 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 da. Why did they leave that out? Beloved, not only are you hearing what someone's saying this morning, and, and by the way, I should say, um, I, you shouldn't just hear, you should comprehend. That's what my grandmother always said to me. She said, I know you hear me, but are you listening? So you're not only supposed to listen here but you're also to hear what they don't say and by doing that you then know how to respond to the urgent needs of our society and of those that you are traveling with and you say but mark it says quite clearly in verse 4 that god is intending to test them how in any way can this be described as empathetic and compassionate i'm glad you asked Go back to chapter 13 of Exodus, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness through the, toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Did you catch that, beloved? God purposefully took them into the wilderness. Why? Because he knew they weren't ready for the Philistines yet. And he was afraid that once they saw the Philistines and all their might and power, they would decide to turn back and go back into Egyptian slavery. And so the slavery that they left was going to be far worse when they went back because they had left and come back. And so what does he do? 
he takes them to the Red Sea and he parts the way. And after that showdown at the Red Sea, what God is trying to do is to see how, if they trust him a little bit more now. You see, they're still working on their relationship. God had been absent, though he had been listening. He had been absent, they thought, from, for over 400 years of their history. And so now they're trying to reacquaint themselves with each other. And he knows that their faith is not such that they can do what they need to do then because of the Philistines. So he takes them around and now he wants to see, well, where is their faith? Do they trust me a little bit more? Beloved, that is a picture of compassion and empathy. Because God does not want them to fail. He wants to see if they're ready. Do you hear and do you act with empathy and compassion today? To further this point about what God is trying to do in them, He provides for them a model of transparency. Notice verse number 9. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. This, beloved, is the first instance in all of Scripture where this word glory appears. It is the kabod. I'm pretty sure I just massacred that Hebrew. But, but it, is, it is the divine manifestation, is the physical manifestation of the divine presence of God. It's what is used later on, and we'll see this in a couple of weeks, when God says to Moses, get in the cleft of the rock and my glory will pass by you. In other words, God is showing them himself right here. They had seen God through what God did with the plagues. They had seen God through what God did uh, at the Red Sea. They had heard from God through the words of Moses and Aaron, but now they get to see God. They get to see him. Beloved, what transparency here. That God says, this is who I am. You can see me. Do the people that you, can, that you are traveling with in life know you to be that transparent? Can they see you? Or do you show them what you want them to see? Because you're afraid. You're afraid that if they really get to know you, they're not going to like you. If they really know how you, you think, then they're, they're not going to really want to be your friend anymore. They might think that you are weird or crazy or fill in the blank with whatever else you want to. And what does this ultimately lead to? It ultimately leads to, one, you're at war with yourself about what you're going to show to other people. And two, you are confined and enchained in yourself. Because you are not free to be who you are. And ultimately this leads to misunderstanding on other people's parts and shame. 
it negates any bonds of trust that should exist between you and who you are traveling with. Do you let people in this morning, beloved? Or do you just put up a wall? Well, Mark, you don't know how crazy it is. Beloved, let me tell you something. I'm as crazy as they come. I don't let you all in on that all the time. But I do show you that. And you know what happens when you do that? You let other people be themselves and you learn how to be together and help one another. I don't, I, I'm not going to say I've got it all figured out. I don't, I don't have it all figured out. All right? Far from it. But I've been very honest with you about my own mental illness. Now, I confess to you this morning, I have not been thoroughly honest with you because I haven't always told you how dark it gets. And sometimes it gets really dark. But I have let you know that I am crazy. And ultimately what happens is someone will say, you know, I've had some feelings like that. And they can talk to me. And I'm no help generally to them, but I will listen. And together we go together. Beloved, there are people in your life right now who need to see who you are. They need to see who you are because they need to know they're not alone in who they are. And God gives us transparency through how He interacts here and He lets us see who He is. And we should do the same. But the provision doesn't stop there. Notice that God provides them a rhythm. Verse number 11. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. We would like to focus on the manna. We like to talk about the manna and what is it, and we'd like to try to figure out what did it taste like. Did it taste like cornbread or biscuits? And you, we just sort of try to figure it out from there. But beloved, when we do that, when we focus on the manna, we miss the rhythm. Because what has God done? These people who have had to follow the rhythm of a slave master for hundreds of years throughout all of their lives who could only do and do what they were told when they were told and how they were told it. These people have been given a new rhythm and it is that there will be manna in the morning and there will be quail at night and it is a rhythm that God has given them. 
God has put them on his clock now, and he's saying this is how we're going to dance together. Beloved, this morning, do you have a rhythm? Is there any rhythm to your spiritual life? Or is it hit and miss? Like you say, well, I'll pray when I can, or I'll, I'll make church when I can. Or, you know. Beloved, you've got to have a rhythm. And when we say God's not meeting our ideals, it is invariably, most of the time, the fact that we're not on rhythm. We're just sort of catching it here and there. But our spiritual rhythm, beloved, has to be completely integrated into our everyday life, just like it is here for them, so that we can learn how to dance with God. The theologian Grace Kim talks about how the, the Trinity exists, three persons in one, and how they, they dance with one another in the Godhead. It's a beautiful description because God's bound together uh, through love, and so they're dancing in love. And have you ever watched anybody dance? Those that really know how. Let's put it like that. Those that really know how to dance. There's a rhythm to it, right? I love to watch people uh, shag down at the beach because their feet are moving and they're moving with it. And man, they got it going on. I mean, they, it's, it's not like me when I get out there and I got 52 left feet. They're one seamless person in motion. It's two people, but one seamless person in motion. Beloved, if you lack rhythm today, and, well, let's say, you've got a rhythm, but do you have the rhythm that God gave you? Because if you're on God's rhythm, if you're on God's beat, then you're moving with God and how He wants you to go, and you're in step all the time. But if you're off rhythm, let me tell you, the whole picture is going to get screwed up. <clears throat> told y'all uh, last year I went and marched for the first time since I graduated on, with the alumni band. And uh, when I was at Carolina, we had these wonderful things, flip folders. You had a piece of music and you had it in your folder and, and you could write on it. And you could write out, I know Roger's here today, he's saying this isn't how you're supposed to do it, but this is how we did it. Roger's going to say, you should have it all memorized. No, you got <laughs> I'm in front of 60,000 people. I ain't going to screw up. Uh, so you, you write it out, and you go 16 steps, and you just sort of go, and then you, if you were in my music, you'd write, stop. And then you'd write, you know, you go, turn left. And then you'd go, you know, and, and that's, that's sort of how I got where I needed to go. But, but they've moved to this new thing where it's all on your phone. Well, you can't write on your phone. You can message, but you can't write on your phone. And I remember just as clearly, last year we were supposed to go and do something, and I was standing there, and all of a sudden I thought to myself, we didn't go when we were supposed to. Why? Because I didn't have my note to write down. We didn't go when we were supposed to. We're going, I'm going to be left standing out here by myself 
looking like a fool in front of all these people. Liza's going to be pointing down on the field saying, that's my husband, out of step, right there. There goes the rest of the band. He's going this way. Oh, and by the way, he's taking the rest of the clarinet section with him. And in that moment, I was, I was embarrassed for myself, but at that moment, I also thought to myself, I have, left Mr. I have let Mr. Fuchs down. This is the biggest alumni band he's ever had. Here I am, Vice President of Alumni Association. I ought to be a, a better marcher than this, and I'm going through all this. And then finally, everybody said, now we go. I don't know who said it, but I praise God for him right now. Because then we all went and we were in the right place at the right time. Praise God. Beloved, are you in rhythm today? Because if you're in rhythm with God, you're going to make sure that you're, He's going to make sure that you're in the right spot so that the picture looks good and the people that follow you are going to be in the right spot too. And if you think somehow that your faith journey is spiritually deficient, then maybe you should stop with, stop saying, God, what's your problem? And say, God, am I in rhythm? Am I in rhythm? If your heart's out of rhythm, it's bad for you. If your spirit is out of rhythm, guess what? It is likewise bad for you. And that's why God ultimately, I think, not only just provides us with rhythm, but finally, He provides us with enough. He shows us the provision of enough. Verse 16, This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it each one of you as much as you can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. They had enough. They had enough to fill them. Any excess, by the way, notice here, it went bad. Because God was bound to make sure that they understood the provision of enough. Beloved, do you understand the provision of enough this morning in your life? That God is going to meet your needs and He's going to meet your needs with enough for you. You say, I, I, I would like more. Well, guess what? Maybe you're not equipped yet to have more. Maybe you don't have everything you need to have more than what you're getting, but God's going to make sure that your needs are met right now and that is enough. God is always going to give you love and grace and abundance, beloved. He's always going to do that. But He's also going to provide everything else in your life enough. Enough. And we should learn to be thankful with enough. One of the great things about American society is we are a land of overabundance. And in being overabundant, we waste a lot of stuff. We waste more food as a nation 
than most nations have to eat. We waste more water as a nation than some countries even have. Think about all the electricity we waste. We waste air conditioning because we will leave the door open and run back and forth in and out of the house with the groceries. And some people don't even have air conditioning. Beloved, we are an overabundant society and somehow or another we think that we are supposed to always have an overabundance. But this morning, understand, God gives you enough. And if you're on His rhythm, you understand that it is not just simply enough, it is beautifully enough. I don't know what manna tasted like. Somehow in my mind, I think it must have tasted like, um, well, some days I think it tastes like, like my grandma's cornbread. And some days I think it tastes like uh, my grandma's biscuits. And some days I think it tastes like Eliza's pizza crust. And some days I think it tastes like my mama's Peter Paul mound cake. And you say, Mark, all those four things are vastly different. Yes, but guess what? At any given point in my time, I want one of those four things. So guess what? God's always meeting what I need. And He's always meeting it enough. And beloved, if God's not enough for you today, I'm sorry. Because He is greater than anything you can imagine. He loves you so much He sent His Son to die for you to show you enough so that you would always have enough grace and enough life and enough hope. Can you rest in that enough today? We'll look at more travel provisions next week. But today, if you're not on rhythm with God, I sincerely hope that you will take the next few moments to get in step. Let's pray. God, you know what we all need this morning. So speak to us in your empathetic compassion to grant us what we need that we know that you are enough. Fill our deficiencies that we may rest in grace. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please note our schedule has been revised as of April 2021. Please join us on Sunday mornings for worship at 10 o'clock in the sanctuary at 108 Trail 1 in Burlington or on Facebook Live. For more information and resources regarding our church, please visit groveparkchurch.net. And remember, grace abound.
Thank mm-hmm. you.